Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. This is Greg Olson here to tell you about my new podcast, TE1. On the show, I had a chance to talk to my fellow tight ends who have revolutionized the position from an extra lineman to a dual threat superstar. And just like my guests have changed the game, this year, NFLSundayTicket.tv is revolutionizing your NFL viewing experience. Stream all the live out-of-market NFL games every Sunday on your favorite devices and never miss a moment from your favorite players. Visit NFLSundayTicket.tv and use the promo code Greg88 at checkout and get 15% off your subscription. That's NFLSundayTicket.tv and the promo code Greg88. Subscribe to TE1 and get NFLSundayTicket.tv, an unmatched dual threat. Hello and welcome to Here's Where It Went Wrong, the podcast where every episode we sit down with one of our favorite comedians to discuss a topic that we absolutely love and then exclusively discuss the worst parts of it. Uh, I am joined, as always, by my co-host, Wen Powers. Wen, how you doing? I'm doing great, Andrew. Uh, we're up. We're running. We got reviews in. Those reviews are good for some reason. So uh, as far as I'm concerned, I'm <laughs> on top of the world. It's incredible. Yeah, people uh, actually like us, which, I mean, was the goal. That's what that's what we're hoping for, but you never really know. Andrew, uh, they like our podcast. Don't I mean, don't get look, confused. I think a large part of that is our personalities or the personalities we pretend to have when people are watching us. Just like my wife. There we go. <laughs> <laughs> so we are doing good. Thank you all for listening. I hope you checked out our past episodes. Um, I want to say what our last episode was, but this is going to be airing three weeks from now. So I think our last episode would have been with Mike Camerlongo. Uh, Camerlango, there we go. Yeah, uh, there we go. We, we mispronounced it in the podcast too, so uh, just did we? Professionally <laughs> oh, here. I can I fix mean, that. I can fix that in post. <laughs> right, we haven't edited. Never mind, guys. We pronounced it perfectly in the recording with Mike <laughs> Camerlango. Spot on. And, <laughs> and we are joined right now by a good friend of mine and one of my just favorite comedians. She is so hilarious, uh, Abby Govinden. And you can find her on Instagram at Abby Govinden, as well as Abby Gov on Twitter. She is a writer, comedian. She also has an upcoming podcast that I am so excited about called No New Podcast, the podcast. Uh, Abby, how are you doing? Thank you for being here. I'm doing so well, Andrew and Wensler. Thank you guys for having me. Uh, this is a really cool podcast concept, um, and I'm really excited to talk about the topic that we're going to talk about. I don't want to spoil it. Um, but yeah, in regards to my new podcast, um, Dana Donnelly, another internet comedian, and I, who's also extremely hilarious, um, we kind of decided to do like a satirical cut and dry 
um, criticism, commentary, uh, you can say, on the podcast industry and how overwhelmingly white and male it is. No, it is. Guys. It's a huge problem. No. I mean, we suck <laughs> in general. <laughs> we're, it's, we're part it's, of I'm the problem. I agree. Out. Yeah. When and I exclusively making things worse. That's why we need you here to make it better. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly, yeah. Let me tell you, um, this is... Um, all of our episodes with white guys, they've all been named Michael. So uh, if that gives you any idea. We had one episode with two guests, and they were both named Michael. So uh, we are, are absolutely... <laughs> it, it's, There's it's, probably... That probably means there's more people named Michael on this podcast alone than like Asian women in the podcasting industry overall. God, that is so oh, sad. Well, which is so why we are making a point true. to uh, in- improve our diversity and uh, just a no new Michael rule in general. But... No <laughs> new Michaels. But yeah, yes, absolutely. We, a... we want to have that that better representation because as white guys, you know. We're idiots. That's kind of the right guy's whole thing. As long as you're self-aware. Yeah. Exactly. So this new podcast, uh, I'm really excited for this to come out. I I love you. And, of course, Dana is fantastic. We hope we can have her on here. Oh, she's so funny. One day. So uh, so please continue explaining this great idea you have. Yeah, so um, we opened up, we haven't recorded the pilot yet, we're shopping it around, um, so it should be out soon, but we opened up the submission form, which was a lot of fun. Um, The submission form, there's an option to submit a podcast, and then there's an option to submit a danger phrase. So a danger phrase, if a man says it during his pitch, he has to donate $10 to a women's charity that we've chosen out. So like an example of a danger phrase would be like shooting the shit, like me and my friends just shooting the shit, or like, we're going to talk about politics or whatever yeah that is fantastic Um, please send us that lift afterwards so we can make sure we do not use any of those i mean so far we got one and we're clear but this is going to be a learning experience for all of us we're going to learn so much from this podcast it's like yeah, a, it's like when they put up a list of like all the jokes that they're not allowed to use in writers' rooms anymore, and like I God. read through the list thinking just like I use all of these jokes. God, that was a good list. <laughs> yeah, though. yeah. But we opened up the submission form, and we were pretty much like, if you're a man, if you're a cis man, uh, please submit because we want to tear you apart. We we're not in the business of tearing down any women um, or. Yeah, just like any minority of any sort. Um, And initially, we were kind of expecting people to be bitter about it because you know how men on the internet are. But we got almost 100 submissions. Um, Everyone was such a good sport about it. Like, everyone who submitted was like, oh, my God, I hope I get picked. Like, I really want you to roast me. Um, And I feel like all these men who submitted are just like, uh, they're very understanding of the message that we're trying to put out. Um, So I just expect this to be a lot of fun. Um, It's going to be Shark Tank style. So we're going to have three people, maybe more, maybe less, um, but three people is the the baseline now, um, kind of pitch us their podcast. And then at the end of the episode, we're going to choose a winner. Um, There's a rubric that we score them out of 50 points, but the running joke is that it's literally impossible to get a full score on the rubric like um like each each criteria on the rubric is like uh one to five points and then there's 10 criteria and then like you know like an example is like uh is this is this podcast problematic if the answer is yes you get one point if the answer is no you get two points um Three, four, and five as a score aren't possible because all podcasts by men are inherently problematic. Does that make sense? <laughs> yes, yeah. absolutely. Yes, definitely um, makes and sense. Then of course, and then, of course, like uh, there's one question that's like, does anyone need this podcast? And the answer to that will always be no because no one needs any more <laughs> podcasts from men. Like... 
Like, that's just, like, the run. So we're going to have a lot of fun. Everyone who's submitted so far, um, they just seem like really good sports. And then um, we also wanted to do, like, a monthly um, finale uh, at the end of every month where we, like, take the all the winners from the previous weeks and then, like, do them in, like, a cage match against each other. Um, yeah, we're super excited um, about the podcast. We have a company that's really, really interested in helping us produce it. Um, I'm, like, just really looking forward to this podcast and everything that we're going to do together and, like, being able to work with Dana, who's just such a comedic genius. I mean, I don't have to tell you guys how great she is. You oh, know. no, she's, oh, she's we're, fantastic. We're well For the aware, listeners at home. People who are listening, yeah, th- please know yeah. Dana is a Dana genius. Donnelly, absolutely. Go go check her out. And this podcast, yeah, I mean, I, we are excited to hopefully at one point uh, Abby can tear Wen and I apart because uh, we, we deserve <laughs> it. It's uh, it's a fantastic idea. And, uh, yeah, please uh, let us know when it drops because we, we want to listen to every episode of that. Yes, for sure. I will let you guys know. Thank you. Yeah, thank you for letting me promo it. Thank you for having me. I'm super excited to talk about what we're talking about today. Yes. So what we're going to be discussing today is uh, something that we all loved growing up, which is Friends, uh, a TV show. There we go. When, uh, God, you should have seen the focus in Wen's eyes to get that clap timing right. It was and the I most stressful part. fucking of- nailed it. <laughs> it was dead on. <laughs> most stressful part of every single episode uh, was just clapping along with it and knowing you were going to get it wrong. So, Friends, this show that uh, we absolutely loved growing up, it was relatively simple. It was on at the same time as Seinfeld, the show about nothing which made you kind of realize all sitcoms are about nothing. Like, (laughs) Friends could have easily had this same show description, but these were the two big hits of the era. So what about you? What did you guys think of Friends growing up? Um, I was obsessed with it. So it was like my entire personality in high school. I got the t-shirt on the, I think when I was in high school, it might have been the the 20th anniversary. Um, And... You know, like me and my friends would just talk about it. We pretended it made us special. Every time um, we dated someone, we'd be like, oh, he's my lobster. You know, (laughs) so like it was, I was so obsessed with it. Probably a, a super fan in high school. So, by the way, did not at all factor in the age range and just assumed we would be growing up at the same time, despite the fact that I know Abby is like 14 years younger than me. So she was wearing (laughs) the 20-year anniversary t-shirt in high school. I was, I think, eight when it premiered. Yeah, you were wearing like the season three t-shirt in high school. (laughs) (laughs) I I was not allowed to watch it uh, until I was like 14 or 15. Uh, enough that at this point it, it held a very forbidden fruit appeal uh, that this is, is the show that is, is so raunchy. I can't even handle it. Uh, by the way, I also was not allowed to watch Wild Wild West at 15, which was a PG-13 movie. So let's just say my mom's standards are not necessarily to be trusted here. <laughs> I, think, I think there's butts in that movie, though, in your mom's defense. There and is. Could you not Sama have handled Hikes. that? <laughs> you I, I you like whipped out. Cool. I just said some, and you immediately named the specific actress. And also Will Smith. Is, you forgot no, him too. There was so. one. There's seriously. Do we see Will Smith's butt? I remember I, Selma Hayek because I I watched it like when I was like 16 and thought this is has to be the only reason I could not have been allowed to watch this. This is the most tame movie. This yeah. is Friends is, is <laughs> so much. Friends is like an R rated compared to Wild Wild West. Well, no, it's because he's using the town like water container as a hot tub. And All like right, so he we're gets do broken a Wild out Wild there. West episode next. Can we do Wild Wild West Will Smith movie? <laughs> I feel like this has to be well, an episode. Well, right? you know, you guys, you guys should do an episode based off 
things that we watched purely because our parents said we couldn't watch them that turned out to be bad. So, like, there was a lot of media that I consumed that is unequivocally bad. But the only reason I watched them is because my my parents were like, no, you can't. So, Friends was one of them. Like, I watched the entire thing when I was, like, a junior or sophomore in high school. But, um... I was definitely watching episodes behind my parents back in, like, middle school and early high school, maybe even elementary school if I'm remembering right. Um, And then another one of those is Big Bang Theory. Like, (laughs) undeniably a trash show. Like, very, very bad. But I was sitting there watching it in high school because my parents were like, no, you're not allowed to watch this. They were doing you a service. They were doing me a service. I... uh, so one of the, one of the, you know those things where someone says it and this is is so dumb it just sticks in your head for the rest of your life. So this is one of those things I think about regularly where a guy mentions the Big Bang Theory, and he says, "Oh yeah, hate the theory, love the show." God damn it! And, <laughs> That's so funny. It's not like he has an alternative theory. By the, well, I mean he he does. The world is eight thousand years old is his theory. Um, but so. <laughs> He, he is watching Big Bang Theory against his religion. He's so committed to this show. So. Oh, I mean, solid theory guy. Uh, I mean, it, in spite of the fact that scientific evidence has proven that the world is much older than 8,000 yeah. years. Hate the theory, love the show is probably the worst way to go about life. You should love the theory <laughs> and hate the show. Well, the, the thing is, okay, quick tangent. The Big Bang Theory as a theory is really cool. And, like, it's yeah. just... Um, I always found it really entertaining because it sounds like a third grader named it, you know, like a thing. And then, uh, like, the world uh, expanded. And then, of course, there's this theory, like, I think it would be considered, like, a horseshoe-type theory. Uh, but it's it holds that eventually, like, kind of like a rubber band, the universe is going to expand far and then reach its maximum and then, like, unexpand. And yeah, do you guys we know cannot what that wait. theory is called? I have no idea what that theory is called. Wait, is the big crunch? Thank you. (laughs) The The big big crunch. crunch. Yeah. Um, That's a serial. If anything, if anything, NASA should sue Big Bang Theory for taking such an amazing, admirable theory, like a beloved theory, and just like ruining it for an entire generation. (laughs) (laughs) By the way, there was a Big Bang Theory lawsuit from Big Bang Theory. Because I think it was, it might have been Belarus. They. made their own Big Bang Theory, like word for word, exact same thing. And uh, Big Bang Theory sued and said, okay, you have to pay us. <laughs> this was our thing. But uh, all of Belarus TV is owned by Belarus. So they just said, no, we didn't, even though it's this word for word thing. <laughs> so this is our original idea and this is massive coincidence. So Big Bang has already gone through this lawsuit. And uh, yeah, I think we're all prepared for them to take on NASA next. I mean, I'm rooting for NASA all the way. Oh, absolutely. Um, but yeah, but that was just an example. Yeah, so like there is a lot of media that I consume. Twilight is another good example. Like the, I mean, the books were fine. Um, and the movies were cool because they brought into our collective consciousness Kristen Stewart, undeniably good actress. Anna Kendrick, undeniably good actress. Robert Pattinson, of course, I am a huge fan of him. Fantastic. Um, and but then the fourth book, my parents were like, "No, you can't read." Um, and wow, so I, like, you can't read the conclusion to this story you that you've the been so invested in years. <laughs> yeah, so they were look, they were they were the ones who got me into Twilight because after 
uh, I finished Harry Potter. Probably another one of those things where you could make an episode. If I come back on this podcast, I'd love to do an episode about Harry Potter. Yeah, I would love, to, I would love to get into Fantastic Beasts and how the villain in that is able to look like Colin Farrell whenever he wants and yet chooses to be Johnny Depp. <laughs> <laughs> So we, we discussed doing a Harry Potter one. What is the worst part of Harry Potter that, that you would cover in this episode? Well, okay. Um, if I were to cover that in an episode real quick, um, I would just say that Harry Potter as a concept, there was nothing inherently wrong with it. And it helped a whole generation of kids, mostly millennials, a couple of millennial Gen Z cusp kids like myself, um, through kind of the hardships of life. And um, also it was very very much social commentary about like like Daniel Radcliffe said like these taking these dogmatic ideas of purity and like a tyrannical government you know and kind of proving that um if you want to question authority if you want to question the way things are then like you should and if you stand on the right side of history eventually you will emerge triumphant um and then it kind of got ruined uh when jk rowling started talking <laughs> after the books oh my god yeah, yeah. jk rowling look she built this entire emp like multi-million dollar maybe even billion dollar empire it definitely been the billions um, and everyone far. loved her yeah everyone loved her she she was like a crown jewel of like the late 90s early 2000s and then she spent one year on twitter she got twitter in like 2017 <laughs> she <laughs> she got Twitter in like 2017. She started being active in 2018 and she just decided to be a bigot. And then, and we were like, where the fuck is this coming from? Right. Um, like all you and... had to say was nothing and you were set for the rest of your life. <laughs> nothing. She could have a yeah, whole literally. wing in her house where she could just yell her thoughts and like not put them out in the world. She can do that. She right. has the ability. <laughs> we have Twitter because we yeah. can't add room store houses explicitly to yell. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And like that's the thing is like she seems so pressed. Like she she wrote that entire blog post about she was like, you know, there's this like uh plague of like people transitioning and then regretting transitioning and then transitioning back. And it's not a widespread problem at all. I read like the statistic is like officially like zero like zero point zero five percent to one percent of trans people decide to transition back or regret transitioning like surgically. Massively small. And I was number, like, yeah. I was like, that's a massively small number. But also, how is that any of your business? Like, if my friend right. approached me and was like, "Hey, I think I'm a trans man," I'd be like, "Okay." use he him pronouns and then if he approached me like three months later and was like hey i think i made a mistake i think i'm a woman i'd be like wow that must have been so difficult to like go through that process and now you have to go back through it like i'm here i'll support you no matter what you need um and the fact that that pisses jk like that's the thing is like right. if people feel differently just support them like there's there's no need to be like all these people should suffer because of 0.5 to 0.05 to 1 percent of people like end up regretting transitioning like all you have to do is be like okay sounds good i'll support you no matter what imagine yeah. steven like, great point. About it? imagine just... steven spielberg just came out really hating the irish like that's like the kind of like weird <laughs> like where did this come from Right. No, yeah. I, I, I think that's a great point because it's like, yeah, this was not only is it, is it in a relatively small number. It's like, OK, cool. This is an, another opportunity to just be good. You can you can you can be good at any point you want to be because you wrote like seven books all about how that's the right thing to do. Yes. Yes. Literally, like her books taught an entire generation of children um, like 
acceptance and love and unconditional love and like the fact that good will always triumph and now she's the evil that we need to triumph <laughs> okay so if you're just tuning yeah, in sorry. we're talking about friends uh. yes right so so far the things we love about friends are the big bang theory <laughs> and twilight and harry potter are our favorite things about friends so far <laughs> look if you yeah. want to if you want to know the level of of friends fandom that was happening i had a cd of all the theme songs from that thursday night lineup like an actual <laughs> it was like nbc put out a cd of the theme songs of all I am their sad that that exists i am I... sad that <laughs> i had it in my little cd player and i danced oh i danced wait that's that's actually good to know that means that nbc uh has been doing that for like 20 plus years because nbc thursday night slots are like undefeated that was the office that was parks and rec that that was broke that is still brooklyn 99 yeah, right. community that, like community yeah rock. that's so it's cool just chef's kiss even though sports had a break your business didn't you have to keep moving and that makes hiring more important than ever indeed is here to help indeed.com is the number one job site in the world because indeed gets you the best people fast Unlike other sites, Indeed gives you full control and payment flexibility over your hiring. You only pay for what you need. You can pause your account at any time and there are no long-term contracts. Plus, Indeed provides powerful tools to make your search that much easier, like sponsored jobs, which are shown to be three and a half times more likely to result in a hire. With 73% of online job seekers visiting Indeed each month, Indeed is going to get you the important hire you need just like they have for over 3 million businesses. Right now, Indeed is offering our listeners a free $75 credit to boost your job post, which means more quality candidates will see it fast. Try Indeed out with a free $75 credit at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. This is their best offer available anywhere. Go right now to Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Offer valid through September 30th. The wait is finally over. Football is back. You might not be at a game this year, but you can still be in on the action at Bet Online. Bet Online is going the extra mile to make sure you can get in on every possible chance to win this season. From game spreads and totals to team, player, and coaching props, Bet Online gives you more options to wager than anywhere else. You can get in on their season opening bonuses today and start off wagering on wins, division, and championship futures all day, every day. Head to Bet Online today and take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses. Don't forget to use promo code BLUEWIRE at betonline.ag. That's BLUEWIRE, all one word. Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. Oh, yeah. But I will say, I'm just going to get it out there as something that, like, I grew up on. I was, like, my whole family, like, planned our entire night around watching the finale. Uh David yeah. Schwimmer, nice guy. He's in Chicago directing plays and just couldn't be more of a sweetheart. The cast of Friends, from what I hear, nice people. The show, at the time, I found very funny. We loved Friends, but... We loved it so much. Right, so we loved it, and where it went wrong was the Amani Lyle lawsuit, uh, where it all fell apart very quickly, and Abby is going to tell us about this. Yes. Yeah, so the reason I said earlier transition is because we were talking about all these, like, really, really good Thursday night NBC shows, um, and of course a lot of them have aged poorly. Uh, the Office, for example, recently Steve Carell said um, 
if the office were rebooted, a lot of people would be offended. Um, 30 Rock, uh, I haven't personally, I haven't watched 30 Rock. I was told it aged really well. I tried to watch the first few episodes and they seemed kind of problematic. Um, same with It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. The reason I, I say that this is a good transition is because I wanted to read this um, excerpt from this BuzzFeed article called uh, Friends is Not as Good as You Think or something of that. Oh, it's called Actually Friends is Terrible. And the line <laughs> says, written by Scotchy Cole from of BuzzFeed, plenty of shows age badly but are still handy for a rewatch now and then. But unlike other shows of its ilk that inspire nostalgic streaming marathons like Seinfeld, The Office, 30 Rock, Parks and Rec, or Cheers, Friends doesn't have the benefit of actually being good, um, which I think is a, a perfect line. Yeah. Um, so, uh, yeah. So let's let's switch over to talking about Amani Lyle. So um, this is, of course, a comedy podcast, but the Amani Lyle case um, was a little bit more on the serious side, and we're trying to find kind of the the comedic approach to this. But Amani Lyle was a writer's assistant um, for Friends in 2004, so about around the time that they ended, um, and she was terminated after four months, and so she filed. Uh, wrongful termination discrimination and sexual harassment suit against friends and the reason that she filed it is because so writers assistants for those who don't know are kind of um on the lowest rung of power the power structure in writers rooms um they don't from what my understanding of it i'm sure it differs from room to room but my understanding of it is they don't really do writing like it's not their concepts that end up making it to the show they just listen to other writers and write down like ideas and concepts and like kind of story structures if for if they have ideas so that the writers can look back at those notes and be like okay here's how we are going to write this episode or structure it or whatever or here's where we're going to take the season so um amani was a writer's assistant for four months and in the span of four months the writers which were predominantly white and male <clears throat> even though one of the showrunners was a woman um uh they just made a whole bunch of like sexist racist jokes like really sexually explicit jokes um scotchy mentions in her uh article that um there were jokes about making joey um that's his name, right? Yeah, Joey. It's been yeah. a long time yeah, since yeah. I watched it. Joey, uh, a serial rapist, and um, the writers would talk about their sexual fantasies about Jennifer Aniston and Courtney Cox. Um, they said some really racially charged stuff, uh, if I remember correctly. In another article I was reading, they they said the N word. Um, they were saying they were making a lot of like really really anti black comments, and Amani Lyle is black. One um, of the so very few the black women in the room, too. It's in the room. <laughs> Yeah, in the room, in history probably, but specifically yes. in 2004. In, in this pretend um, version of New York that Friends made. Right. God, mm -hmm. yeah, absolutely right. I mean, it's true. It's not like this was abnormal, but but Amani was already breaking ground here by getting into the room, uh, which was incredible that she was able to, to do this. And it's, it is, as you said, you know, a very low on the totem pole position, but it's also a foot in the door for, for a lot of yeah. writers. Yeah. Yeah, Amani is amazing. She's really brave. Like, um, I have not been in this uh, industry long, but from the people that I've met, I get intimidated easily. And I don't even get intimidated easily, but people, especially powerful white men in this industry, can be very daunting. Um, and if you piss off the wrong people, then you can get blacklisted from, like, entire networks, you know? Um, or so I've heard from horror stories that were told to me. So Amani deciding that the treatment that she was, she was given at NBC was wrong and deciding 
starting to take action on it. Very admirable at any stage. Like, even if she did it today, it would be extremely admirable. But the fact that she did it in 2004 when she had very little like social support there would probably there like was not social media for her to like post on you know looking for support um friends was a beloved show so of course she was villainized for going after them in that sense and she lost so um to this day if you want to file um a discrimination suit or harassment suit um in the writer's room in a tv show it's significantly more difficult because of this specific court case right um they, they so set that's the part of the reason right? they said they set the precedent <laughs> yeah. so now forever they could say well according to lyle versus warner brothers if you're saying yeah. something racist as long as it's not pointed to an employee you're fine you're fine yeah as long as it's in the writer's room it's it's uh protected under creative freedom or whatever yeah, yeah. Um, and they admitted yeah. to all of this. They said, yeah, we were saying those things. She's absolutely correct. We were saying them as jokes, guys. <laughs> Which, yeah. There was a defense of creative necessity. And what was so ridiculous about this is the complaints of uh, of Lyle were, again, you're using, using the N-word. And by the way, from the beginning, Lyle brought up issues with the fact that there were not black people on the show, which is something you might've noticed if you have eyes. Um, <laughs> like th yeah. th this was, this was something that should have been very obvious and it, it very much spoke to why she was most likely fired. They claimed it was because she couldn't type fast enough, which uh, as Abby pointed out as um, a writer's assistant, you're basically, you're trying to sift through the good ideas in the room, put them all down, but you know, Come on, we, we know what this was because this was abundant in the room, this, this racism and sexism and the co claims of creative necessity. The thing was, her complaints were all things, the ones that Abby brought up, they, um, apparently one of the writers just routinely pretended to masturbate, um, that he would cross out words on calendars to make them dirty words. These were all things that you might find hilarious if you were in sixth grade. And things that obviously never ended up on the show. So this defense of, no, we need this to write Friends. It's, okay, what do you think Friends is? Yeah. Oh, you yeah. should watch Friends uh, sometimes. Because yeah. uh, it's definitely yeah. not the sh edgy show where Joey could be a serial sex offender and anyone be like, yeah, that's that's Friends. That's how Friends right. works. That's, Which, yeah. By the way, I, I read uh, a number of articles on this. But, but um, one, they talked to a writer and a college professor. He said they're practically obliged to explore that they're writing friends for God's sake, <laughs> <laughs> which by the way, a headline from yesterday, literally yesterday when recording this is an erect penis will be shown on British TV tonight for the first time ever. So this is friends at the time was you had Joey saying, how you doing this? The friends is not trotting new ground here. I mean, yeah, they, they did some stuff that wasn't really done before, but it, it's it's not it was not the raunchy show it was maybe a little raunchy for the time but it's it's not like every episode they're reworking the aristocrats <laughs> you yeah know? yeah it's, yeah and amani lyle um i'm not sure i guess i should have researched beforehand um what she's up to these days so i'm not entirely sure but um she joins the ranks of so many women who were ahead of their time like at the time they were receiving um, all this backlash for speaking out. But now we look back retroactively and we're like, why did we treat them like that? I say we, like, loosely. I mean, like, I was really alive. The collective society, alive. though. Yeah, it yeah. was a social yeah, yeah, yeah. As a society, 
Uh, I will, yeah. I'll say we as in me and Andrew. Abby, I think you're in the clear, really, as far as all this is concerned. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, Amani, like, by the way, so, joined the Air Force after this. Uh, oh, so, my God. Poor lady. I yeah. Uh, so so traumatized that she was like, no more TV for me. Um, a few other examples of women who have uh, kind of spoken out in, in ways that we don't appreciate. Of course, Sinead O'Connor. Oh, um, I don't, if you guys are familiar, she did a, um, a 1990. Two maybe uh, maybe the, are you talking about the Saturday Night Live when she the when Pope. she tore up, up, up the picture yeah, of the Pope she, yeah she was literally like we shouldn't like the Pope shouldn't be fucking children and everyone lost their fucking minds and everyone was like she's being political uh, Monica right, Lewinsky like... a personal favorite of mine um, even I mean like I was a feminist growing up hardcore um, like from the moment I learned what it meant I was like. Yes, this is something I align with, but uh, you know, even in high school, I used to think that using Monica Lewinsky's name as a punchline was funny because it was used in all these like Eminem songs, Beyonce songs, um, yeah. like people that I really looked up to were making jokes about it all the time, and so I thought that it was a fair punchline, you know. Um, and then when I when I was in college, maybe late high school, early college, uh, she came out and and. Uh, kind of took control of the narrative and she was like I was only 22 he was a full-grown president like married president a with a president child, like he should have known better. right yeah yeah Monica Lewinsky also is probably one of the funniest people on Twitter like every now and then oh my god every now and then like she is allowed to make jokes at her own expense and she does it better than anyone who's ever been an asshole yeah. who is punching down at a young woman in the 90s like she yeah. she owns her shit and she like talks about it and it's hilarious when she does it and that's why I'm glad they're apparently having her be a showrunner on that new uh, on the new American Crime Story they they weren't yes. they said that they weren't going to do it unless Monica Lewinsky was actually in the room and like thank God they were doing that because Jesus. It's about time. It's about time she makes some money off of it. I mean, she has made a lot of money off of it, and she should make even more money exactly. off of it. So I'm she glad should that also she's finally fight, being a showrunner. She should fight Jay Leno. That's my that's my <laughs> <laughs> cage match, death match. Yeah, and then of course the Dixie Chicks, um, who literally said Bush's war is unnecessary, which um, which was very ahead of their time even in 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 respect to my own thinking so i was actually thinking recently how my entire life i've been against war but i kind of moved in favor of war as i grew older just because of the pro-war propaganda all around me like people oh, were like sure. oh it's like really brave to enlist and when you enlist you're you're serving your country to the point where when i graduated high school i even considered enlisting to the air force because um, I was like, I want to serve my country. Like, my country's done a lot for me. Right. Um, and then when I was in high school, I was like, oh, I don't have to participate in direct combat. But what I didn't understand is that even participating uh, in war, of course, uh, enables that. And so um, this was, like I said, so in 2004, I think, is when the Dixie Chicks also got in trouble, um, when they were like, Bush shouldn't be doing this war. Yeah, they said they were ashamed to be from Texas. Yeah, they said they were ashamed to be from Texas. Yeah, 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 something like that. And And Texas blew up because Texas is so ready to blow up all the time. (laughs) For one, like, they felt, like, so betrayed by the Dixie Chicks. They were like, you were one of us. And that's why they changed their name probably to The Chicks because, like, clearly not one of you. Uh, Actually, uh, one of the first uh, in this recent spate of people realizing, oh, that their name has connotations that were not considered. One of the, the first to come out and, and officially change their name to, yeah, The Chicks. Yeah, they're The Chicks. And you know what? Gaslighter, that's a great album. Uh, Tights on My <laughs> Boat. If you get a chance, listen to Tights on My Boat. That song 
rules. It is fantastic. It's all about the the lead singer's divorce uh, proceedings, and it rules. It's great. Yeah, check so, it. Oh, I will definitely check that out. This is all during the period, or with Sinead O'Connor a bit before, when basically anyone who has spoken out uh, has has just gotten crushed. Yeah. All during the same period, too. Like, we're talking about these things. Monica Lewinsky, the Dixie Chicks. All this happened in that Friends era, really. Right. Exactly. Like, probably uh, probably stopped something like Me Too from happening, you know, you know, decade before it, it should have, really. Right. So, Amani Lyle yeah. sees all this, sees that there is basically no winning, and speaks up anyway. I mean, it, it was incredible, and she... she uh, takes them to court. Uh, this is uh, a long and entrenched lawsuit where the uh, defense is just so consistently insane where I feel like what should have given this away here is the part where the writers regularly talk about which friend star they could have slept with. <laughs> yeah, like, like, which bold, by yes. the way, very <laughs> bold, because if I were working on a show and I have some crushes for sure, but if I were working on a show and um, I was like, yeah, I'm going to fuck the, the lead. I'm going to fuck him good. You know, everyone would be like, this freak. No, look. <laughs> like, my... fire her immediately. I'm going to fuck know? him good. <laughs> my, look, my... Yeah. Like, my... keep that shit to yourself. Yeah, like, you know? fake it. Don't actually say it. But also, who are you going to trick? You're a white guy comedy writer. You're not going right. to land Jennifer Aniston. Like, you look like me and Andrew. Yeah. Come on. Right. I, I don't yeah. I don't want to speak for when, but my baseline as a comedian is assuming no one wants to have sex with me. <laughs> I, I feel well, like see, that when is part of the drive. A woman. That gets, yeah, when is, no, is when trapped got to a really woman. Good. Yeah, yeah. We started yeah. dating in high school before she realized like everything that was to come. So I definitely did trap a woman good. for Honestly, sure. Yeah. Actually, yeah, no, when my girlfriend and I started dating, uh, I was pre-med. And uh, <laughs> this was this was like the smartest thing I ever did was make her fall in love with me. And it's like, okay, cool. Guess what? Going to be a comedian now. <laughs> now you're not going anywhere. <laughs> Pull yeah. the rug out from <laughs> under. But like, I can't imagine these guys sitting around and being like, I have a shot with Jennifer Aniston or Courtney Cox or Lisa Kudrow. And it's like, no, you fucking don't. And you right. really don't. And, yeah. And two, like at the time, like this is. Like, do you think you're Adam Duritz level famous? <laughs> Adam Duritz from Counting Crows dated, like, every girl in the Friends cast, and I find that I, hilarious. I love oh. that you didn't go with someone from this time period. It's like, no, you did your research. No. Who slept with the most members of Friends? And, and it's Adam, Adam Duritz. The hair thing was a wig, and I feel like that was, like, the biggest breaking news of the early 2000s, was that, that those massive dreads he wore were a wig, and I'm so much more impressed now that he landed multiple Friends with that thing on his head. Look, he actually grew uh, them out later. He recently shaved them. Now he wears a fedora. Not a better look, but you know what? Adam, <laughs> when's Adam Duritz's history is just on point. Look, can <laughs> I admit to it? And look, I'll admit to this right now. I am the biggest Counting Crows fan you're ever going to meet. They it's are him. fantastic. I've Honestly, I love them too. I've seen them live like five times. <laughs> if you were not sure how white Wen and I are, we're just here in our Friends episode talking about how much we love the Counting Crows. <laughs> okay, I think Adam Duritz is a little bit before my time, because I have no idea. Is he the lead singer of Counting Crows? Yes, he is. Yes. Um, okay, and... I've never heard of Adam Duritz. I've never heard of Counting Crows. <laughs> this you... is all gibberish to me. Well, that's next episode. We're going to have you back where we listen to the entire Counting Crows catalog. <laughs> <laughs> 
That is next week, guys. Stick and Abby's, Abby's like, first song. This is where it went wrong. This is, <laughs> this is 90s alt rock, and I am not here for it. Right, so we're, yeah. we're, we're back in the 90s now with Counting Crows, which we assume was playing constantly in the writer's room. Um, because why would you not do that? And uh, yeah, so I, I think we're still with, with Amani Lyle, who is challenging this. And uh, by the way, the Supreme Court definition of harassment uh, that was set here in Reno uh, v. Baird was conduct outside the scope of necessary job performance. Uh, you know, I'll read the rest of it. Conduct presumably engaged in for personal gratification because of meanness or bigotry or for other personal motives. Harassment is not conduct of a type necessary for management of the employer's business or performance of the supervisory employee's job, which means the Supreme Court decided it was necessary for the writers to pretend to masturbate in order to write friends. <laughs> The this was the conclusion the, the the California Supreme Court came to. And yeah, it set a precedent that is absolutely still damaging. Um, and Lyle testified uh, that conduct had nothing to do with the show, obviously, with just the very basic statement of none of these things ended up on the show um, for the simple reason that we're not 12. <laughs> yeah. These are not things we should be finding funny. And like, yeah, I get how that's, Here's the thing with, with comedians, and I, I hope you'll hope uh, both agree with this, at least to some degree. If you're around a great comedian, they, they make you better because they make you want to be better. It is also not oh uncommon God, yeah. to be surrounded by mediocre comedians and just have it devolve into, look, we're not going to be that funny. Who's going to be dirtier? Oh, yeah. Yeah. That is yeah, that is like sure. a thing. Every part of like the hang after a stand-up show yeah. can easily devolve into some of the worst shit you've ever heard in your entire life. And it's insane because it can also be funnier than an hour-long show with the best comics. It can be absolutely incredible. Um, but depending on which comics you choose, they're going to bring out the best in you or, or the worst. I don't want to say you because there are plenty of comics that have avoided it. The hang is a bit necessary if you want to keep getting booked. But also you make your choices if you realize this is something you don't like. You know, you can let them make the dirtiest jokes and back off a little bit, but what what room you're in determines a lot what's being talked about. And uh, at this point, the writers of Friends, they can stack their own room. You know, nobody's like, okay, you have to have these three writers and nothing else. It was primarily th three writers that, that were uh, testified here. They've got the yeah, choice to, um, to build their own room, and this is what they went with. Yeah, Friends did set the groundwork, like as a show, it set the groundwork for how a lot of modern sitcoms kind of go about and like sitcom structure and stuff. So in that sense, uh, Friends was, sure, a groundbreaking show, but I just think that the um, casualties of the show far outweigh the, the good parts of it. Um, like this Amani Lyle uh, suitcase is a whole travesty. Um, oh, yeah. and you know, she was so traumatized that, I mean, I i don't know for sure that she left the film industry because of this, but I'm, I'm sure it played some part in her exiting. Um, and it was probably a very traumatizing and isolating experience for her. Um, and I know of um, one girl in particular comes to mind who, uh, who uh, reported her um, supervisor for harassment, and she ended up having to quit because they didn't do anything or they were um kind of like lashing out and being hostile to her and the other writers and she was kind of like you know me being here is causing more issues than not so I'm just gonna um resign and and reading that story it just broke my heart because uh I mean like if you're being harassed 
they should leave, not you. You know, yeah, <laughs> like exactly. what is that? No, it's like a very easy rule to set. It's make the first. Yeah, and, and that was one of the things that seemed to be such an issue here was this claim of it's necessary to have creative freedom to to not be limiting yourself, which in in some aspects it is true that that comedy is often born out of pushing boundaries, but also, you know, if you're saying things that are racist towards a person or with a person of that race in the room. Obviously, it's limiting for them. They know they can't speak freely then. So you're limiting someone else by saying, I can't be limited, uh, which made it feel like just the, the dumbest argument. Um, but it, it held. Uh, you know, I would hope it wouldn't hold today. Um, but because of this precedent, obviously, it, it, it often is. Um, yeah. And reading yeah, through so, the case um, notes. Oh, yeah, please. Oh, no, no. I was just going to say, Amani Lyle, if you're listening to this. <laughs> oh yes, Amani Lyle, we love you so much. We, we hope you're love you. To this. Yeah, yeah. Thank you. Uh, thank we're you for doing presidents what you do. of the Amani fan club. Um, if you want to reach out and talk to us about this, please, we are begging. Um, I want so much gossip about the Friends cast and the Friends uh, writers room. Um, and Amani Lyle, I feel like alone is uh, enough to kind of detest the show with everything you have in you. But the show's also aged badly. Right? Would you say? Oh, no, I would. I would definitely say that that it, it Friends has aged pretty badly. You know, like, I I tried to find articles on both sides of this, and there were uh, plenty that talked about how it aged badly, and and a couple that said like, oh, it's it's a product of its time period, which, I mean, I guess makes sense to a certain degree. Obviously, you can't be expected to know more than everyone around you, but also you can make some effort. There, there are plenty of people that are ahead of their time and have figured it out. Mostly the people that are victims of this thing. How about you just fill the room with those people and let them tell you what yeah. you're missing? I mean, it's saying something that at the time, like the most progressive, like LGBTQ statement on on television was Seinfeld doing the whole like, not that there's anything was, wrong with that. Yes, it, 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 that was the <laughs> most that was as progressive as you could get. People watched that episode and they were like, that changed my heart. Like, yeah. <laughs> no, yeah. you're, you're right. And the, the one thing that I, I read. Um, I, I am not going to be the, but the one defending those guys. I Please know I am just relaying here the argument for it, was that as Friends discusses it, discuss these things, it often made uh, the characters that were insensitive about it the bad guys, um, where they, when Ross wouldn't let his son play with a doll, they're saying, Ross, you're being a fucking idiot. Let your kid play with a doll. Um, but that was the only thing, good thing they could say about it because it still wasn't clear to the audience. Yes, they made him the bad guy, but what people, what the audience related to was the fact that, oh, Ross doesn't want his kid playing with a doll. You know, the, the first episode is this awkwardness of, about uh, Ross finding out his wife is a lesbian, which obviously, very hard thing to go through. Uh, I suppose you can find out in the first episode. They do this another episode where they tell that backstory. But it's not like it's ever handled with respect, you know, and I think this is the big issue, and I think it paints a picture of what the writer's room was. Yeah, um, it, it, it's, used, it's used as a punchline throughout the show. And it's yeah, like, um, well, here's my here's my response to the take that you relayed, Andrew. I know that's please. not what you believe, just the one that you relayed. Um, so uh, my response to that would be that's a good thing, right? Like a lot of a lot of friends supporters are vi like double down on the show purely because it's a product of its time. And like back then it wasn't problematic. And um, like people nowadays are just so sensitive. But as I was telling you guys earlier before we were recording, that's a good thing. Like people criticizing shows and 
shows aging badly is very much a good thing. Like, we as a society do decide, like, what is acceptable and what is unacceptable. And then, like, of course, like, as as years go on, um, people are going to realize that some things that were said in a show aren't acceptable to say anymore, and that's good. And that's never going to stop happening, by the way. It's not like, like, a lot of people will think that, like, oh, like, you know, 2020, politically correct, like, in 10 years, if we watch, rewatch these shows again, like, there won't be anything wrong or anything said. But, like, that's just, like, unequivocally untrue, you know? Like, something's always going to age badly. Um, The example that I told you guys earlier is, um, like, Everyone who watched The Office, um, like, everyone who watched The Office, like, Friends was a little bit before their time, right? So, like, kind of millennials, uh, older millennials and stuff. So, everyone who watched The Office uh, was, like, like, Ross is problematic. Like, Jim is where it's at. Like, Jim is the unproblematic king. Like, blah, 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 all this, right? And, um... And of course, like when when Friends came out, everyone was like, Ross is the epitome of romance. Like he's obsessed with Rachel and like he buys her all these things and he like can't stand the sight of her with other men. Of course, that's like super romantic. But then the next generation. <laughs> that is watched all terrifying Friends. and creepy. Super romantic. <laughs> yeah. Um, but then but then the next generation watched Friends and they were like, actually, Ross kind of sucks. Here's a guy that's good. Jim. Jim from The Office is really good. And then this is and then The Office was a little bit before my time. So my generation watches The Office and we were all kind of like, Jim kind of sucks, you know, like he um, is like in the first few seasons, he's very romantic and very cute. But then in the, in the last seasons, he starts lying to Pam and he doesn't come up to her art show and he yells at her and he's like taking these jobs and like going to Philadelphia behind her back so then like people my age watched The Office and they were like Jim kind of sucks but you know who doesn't suck Nick Miller from New Girl and New Girl very much is my time like I'm gonna talk about New Girl the way that um older millennials talk about The Office you know like I'm gonna be like that was my time I grew up like I watched that in real time and now, like, everyone is like, oh, Nick Miller from, from New Girl is, like, this, like, epitome of romance. But even watching the show, I rewatched it recently in 2020, and even rewatching the show in 2020, I was like, oh, like, when the next generation, like, when Gen Z, Gen Alpha, like, younger Gen Z, older Gen Alpha kids watch, um, rewatch New Girl, they're gonna have a lot to say about it. Like, first and foremost, Nick, uh, I mean, like, I, I like Nick a lot as a character, um, but he's very emotionally unavailable. Like, that's his whole thing. Um, and I hold that the reason that so many women romanticize Nick Miller is because it fulfills this female fantasy of getting an emotionally unavailable guy to commit to a relationship, you know? Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, you're like, oh, yeah. He, you but, can like, he didn't ch- even have a bank him. account. Yeah, he didn't even have a bank account until season three. Like, a lot of us romanticize Nick Miller, but we've met Nick Millers in real life. Like, this guy doesn't have his life together at all. Most comics I've met are Nick Miller. Right. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. Literally, exactly. Um, Yeah, and then, of course, Schmidt. uh, Like, I really hated Schmidt throughout all the seasons, and I know that that's an unpopular opinion, but he, he, like, fetishizes Cece, his, his Indian girlfriend, through, throughout the entire thing, and, like, he has a huge redemption arc in season six, I think is the last season, and that's good and fine, but I'm not gonna wait six years for some guy to have a redemption arc, and he's also a card-carrying Republican, right? So this is all a very long way of saying that, like, 
shows aging badly is fine. Like it's a it's a sign of the times. Like it's very inevitable. So I to the to the friends detractors detractors. Does that make sense to the de- contract to the detractors of the friends contrarians? I'm like I'm a friends contrarian, but to my detractors who keep saying like snowflake like blah 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 whatever like uh you guys get offended at everything i'm saying like we're not offended it's not like we're calling for a ban on the tv show you know like in in fact if my if my kids ask to watch friends i'll be like yes watch friends i think it's a very very good uh way of seeing kind of what was acceptable back in the mid 90s late it's a time capsule yeah it's a time capsule yeah and i think what you said was a really good point is that obviously I, I feel like our our job as me, aside from being funny, is to punch up. There's not a reason to punch down. There just there just never is a good enough reason to do it. Realizing that you're going to hurt someone that is already uh, in a vulnerable posi- position. But I would love it if I knew I could never say something that will hurt somebody. That that would be a great way to approach uh, joke writing. But yeah, things are going to change, and I'm going to realize that there is an aspect of things that I am not aware of simply because of my position. There's only so much I can see. And uh, I think that's the benefit of being able to look back. It's, it's, as you said, it's not that we're so sensitive. It's not like we're clutching our pearls because we're offended. It's just being able to look back and say, oh, we shouldn't do this again. Yeah. I, I, yeah. That's an easy thing to say is we shouldn't do this again. That doesn't mean you're like everything in the 90s was, was terrible now. It's just we've learned more. Isn't that the goal of society is yeah, to realize we should literally. be different? And I'll say, and yeah. I'll say this, as, as far as we're concerned, um, we we make jokes all the time. We we do our shit. If we and like we've gotten to a point where like I feel like at least us three, if somebody says, "Hey, that joke sucks because of this," we're all people that could be like, "Oh fuck, I'm sorry," and we right. wouldn't go to court about it. You gotta realize <laughs> yeah. they did a court case about this shit. They didn't right. like she she had this complaint. She filed a complaint, and the reaction wasn't. Oh, I'm so sorry. I guess I never realized it from that perspective. It's like, girl, we're going to see you in court. It went to the California Supreme Court. They were the so, way, they so, were so protective. so invested in this that this this ruling was overturned. By the way, uh, they made a very rare ruling that she had to pay the court fees for Warner Brothers. They spent four hundred and fifteen thousand eight hundred dollars fighting this woman and thankfully in an appeal they said this is ridiculous but yeah oh, they spent almost the half a million they, dollars they to almost say paid, we're not being racist when you said the n-word they paid yeah. almost half a friend's episode salary <laughs> <laughs> to yeah. to be able to say guys I'm sorry, but saying Joey is a serial rapist is required to write the cutting edge comedy <laughs> of Friends. Yeah. God. And yeah, by the way, that's a good point to it. At this point, uh, when this trial finally ends, every one of the stars is getting paid a million dollars per episode. You did not have to spend a lot here to do the right thing. Yeah. Uh, you could have just apologized in the first place when she brought it the fuck up. Right. Also, yeah. also, really quick rewind here. Could you imagine being Matt LeBlanc looking through this uh, thing and just being like, wait, they're saying I'm a serial rapist like this much? Like every week, <laughs> every week they're calling me, Matt, like me, a serial rapist? Fuck those guys. Like yeah. Jennifer Aniston and Courtney Cox and Lisa Kutra are just like, wait, they're talking about the times they tried to fuck us. When did that possibly happen? Like you right. have to realize if I were a cast member on Friends and I read about these things and the things they were trying to be like, 
jokingly have my character say or me as a human being do i'd be so fucking mad absolutely that's that's something that, that and that's something i meant to uh say earlier when i kind of touched on this is like when i remember when i said like oh if i if i like talked about a lead on a tv show like i'm gonna fuck him like i feel like i would get fired um and that might be the discrepancy of like what men can get away with versus what women could get away with like I'm thinking of if I were the lead on a TV show and I found out one of the male writers made some really inappropriate comments about me, I would very much be like, I don't want him to write for this show anymore. But like, how much pull would I have, you know, as a woman on this show? Like, as a lead, probably yeah. I could get away with it. But what if I were like, like not a main character, you know? And I feel like it would be the other way around for a man. Like, if a, if a woman said something like that about a man, everyone would be like, oh, you're being crass. Like, you're being crude. Like, she'd probably even get fired. And very, very much, like, I feel like That's this right. How much has Amy like... Schumer had to deal with complaints about her being crude? Uh, yeah, exactly. While she's um, just out there killing it. Yeah, yeah. literally, yeah. Um, like, yeah, I'm a huge like, tell Amy a... Schumer fan. Yeah, a, a guy comic can tell a dick joke, and they're like, "That one, that this guy's the smart. This is this is a smart guy. He's holding a mirror up to society." But then they're just like, "Oh, Amy Schumer only talks about her vagina. It's just like we only talk about our dicks." Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, and Amy Schumer is another really good example. I think Amy Schumer. I should add to the list of of women who I feel like we're gonna look back. Like right now, it's very popular to hate on her, but I feel like we're gonna look back on her in ten years and be like, "Damn, we gave her a lot more shit than we should have." Like. Even, and I'm ashamed to admit this, but even early college, like, late high school, I partook in this, like, um, it was just, like, popular to bash her, to be, like, oh, she's, like, not funny, she, like, all she talks about is her pussy, whatever, and then, um, and then, like, I kind of grew into my own, and, um, I watched her latest special, Growing, which came out a couple years ago, and I was literally, like, in tears on the floor laughing, and then I was like, this is so unfair. Like, I judged her before I even got a chance to, like, watch her do her thing, you know? And, again, like, again, oh. I'm, I'm a self-proclaimed feminist. I was, like, of age when all this happened. I was, like, 16 through 19 when I was like, oh, Amy Schumer is a bad comedian. And also, um, a lot of people who criticize her do, do bring up the fact that in her career a few times, like uh, – 10 years ago or so she made she made some like racially insensitive comments uh but to that I say um she I feel like women are not given as much leniency in in their redemption arc as men are like um I'm not gonna name any names but I can think of like off the top of my head like five like comedy darlings like met who are men who are considered like very popular very beloved very unproblematic who have sets even from five or six years ago where they're saying something that would be considered very repulsive to say in the present day um oh 100%. so yeah so I just feel and and this is not to say I don't think that women should be held accountable like I think everyone should be held accountable I just wish that everyone was held accountable to the same degree like like I said in the friends writer room if the roles were switched if a woman was talking that way about like David Schwimmer or Matt LeBlanc um, or Matthew Perry I am so sure that she would have faced some repercussions uh, if she didn't lose her job which she probably would have you know so um, I feel like this case with Imani Lyle um, is perfectly uh in the most candid sense like it kind of is the epitome of everything that people like us take issue with comedy and tv writing 
um almost too almost so pitch perfect that it could be a satire does that make sense like if someone wrote like <laughs> yeah, a, a 30 rock style show about like the friends writers room and that's what i was gonna say earlier if amani lyle wants to pull a monica Lewinsky and she wants to make oh, a, a sitcom yeah. yeah and be the showrunner of a show about so like amani amani yeah. lyle you take you take this idea or if you want us to cut it abby you take this idea yeah. and you yes. get you get fucking paid yes. and <laughs> oh my god so abby here demonstrating how easy it was to say oh i said this a couple years ago and realized i was wrong you know it's it's not a hard thing to do and and comedy is a just it's a brutally sexist place in general um like remember 10 years ago when everyone hated anne hathaway for no reason like <laughs> like no, everyone it, just everyone just hated anne hathaway there for a few years and then like everyone just decided to stop hating anne hathaway but at the same time like she didn't do anything different and nor did she do anything to earn everyone's ire everyone's just like oh i'm over this girl and then they're like oh she's back and it's like no you you were like starting like a weird campaign and like everyone was doing it. She was like right before Amy Schumer, I feel like Anne Hathaway was like the punching bag of of yeah. internet comedy. I noticed the same thing happened with Megan Trainer. Like when she first came out with Superbase, everyone's like, She's so corny, like she's skinny shaming, blah blah blah. But now everyone's like, Megan Trainer, our like queen, like protect her at all costs. So um online all online perceptions do change uh very hot and cold, very volatile. Um, it's a it's a big part of the reason that now um, I try not to take part in um, like large scale smear campaign. And I don't want to I mean, like, I'm not I'm not one of those people who's like cancel culture has gone too far. Like, I'm not like a grandma, oh, yeah. you know, in that sense. Like, I do think people should be held accountable. But I found that doing my own research is really helpful in that regard. Like, um, I know that Sean King is a very controversial figure. Um, and when I first started seeing hate about him online, I uh it was very, it would have been very easy to be like yeah like fuck Sean King and just like tweet it without without um like understanding the uh context behind it but I did a lot of research and now personally I know why I shouldn't like him um yeah and I, yeah. this is this this wasn't a defense of him by any means I'm sure at first it sounded yeah. like I was, I was wondering like, that was yeah. gonna go because like wait doesn't Sean King no. I was like I was like I was like oh I was like oh Abby's about to educate me on why I, I've I been wrong in my own perception yeah. no. <laughs> by the way no, I like that think... when and I were both certain that Abby knew better than we did it was like okay no we got, no we got no, no. This. oh I'm I'm always going to defer on almost any topic oh, unless yeah. it's counting counting crows and if it's counting crows <laughs> i'm the, the expert motherfuckers <laughs> no, yeah I, I think um, you're, you're right that um and this is why i hate so much saying that that like pc culture is ruining comedy when i, I think it's like no we're, we're just being aware all, all you have to do i mean because you if you're being aware you should be writing better comedy to begin with this makes your writing better by realizing what you were doing was punching down and now you can talk about this now this gives yeah. you a better more informed topic i feel like people are saying that pc culture is ruining comedy or just comics that aren't willing to do the research aren't oh willing for sure to get but andrew saying that i'm now going to pull the asshole move of yeah moving on to our next segment in their defense god all right so here's the thing about in their defense like the thing is, like, Batman and Robin isn't currently hurting people. <laughs> like, like, <laughs> defending Batman and Robin, it, I think you did better. I did Jurassic Park 3. It, it, was, it wasn't pleasant, but it wasn't like, oh, no, Jurassic Park 3 is out there ruining careers. So I can't in good conscience d defend any of this. What I can defend is Imani Lyle, because, honestly, she is the one that took the heat. She was the one that was villainized at the time. Uh, and she deserves a legitimate defense because she was painted as being in the wrong. 
um, but she was groundbreaking. She she set this tone. I think she was one of the forerunners that allowed the Me Too movement to to break like it did. Yeah, and they're yeah, now for sure. overcoming uh, this precedent that was set in place because she was so wronged. Uh, so Amani Lyle, thank you for just continuing to kill it. I mean, you you did a fantastic thing here, and we're we we hate <laughs> what it was done to you, um, but it made us all more aware. So thank you, Amani Lyle, for stepping up and kicking ass. Okay. Yeah, I mean, this entire good, podcast good has been a defense of Amani Lyle. So yes, yeah. they're in their defense is just a continuation of the last hour. Yeah, yeah, truly. Um, yeah, and another thing. Well, another thing that I want to talk about that really bothered me in Friends that I was telling you guys about earlier um, is that uh, Friends, and for that matter, How I Met Your Mother, uh, they live in and Seinfeld. They live in New York City um, in the late '90s, early 2000s, which is when I lived in New York City. Um, and my parents were like 30, they were young, they were fresh immigrants from India, and they were like, ve- there was a very thriving immigrant community in New York City. My parents weren't like doing what other 30 year olds were doing. They weren't like drinking or like going out on weekends, you know, because they had me. I was a child. Uh, sure. <laughs> but. But but what I mean to say is uh, you must have had to, like, go out of your way to not meet people of color in New York City. So the fact that, like, in Seinfeld and Friends and How I Met Your Mother, they, they like, over the course of 10 seasons, like, for each show, they meet, like, maybe three or four people of color. I was like, why are you going right. out of your way to, like, you really have you really have to, like, try to not meet any uh, people <laughs> of color in New York City. Yeah, they so scoped out that coffee shop. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so another another in defense of Amani Lyle is, girl, like, I know that that show was, like, revered as, like, the crown jewel of sitcoms in, in the 90s and early 2000s, and I know you probably got a lot of hate, and it probably felt really lonely and isolating, but I'm telling you, you were ahead of your time. That show sucked. Like, it's not even, like, I rewatched, <laughs> Absolutely. I, re- I rewatched so many episodes now, I'm like, this isn't even that funny. Like, um, yeah, and... Uh, Amani, like you did, you were doing the Lord's work. Like if, if <laughs> I, if I could change anything, it would only be the ruling. Like I, if I were that Absolutely. judge, I would have been like, 100%. Amani's right. As a matter of fact, just cancel the show. Like no she one actually, cares. She actually brought up bringing in black characters into the show. Really? So like she she wow. specifically like, a, as like a suggestion in the writer's room, she brought up saying that there should be more people of color in the show and they shot her and they, they would shoot her down. And then they would this continue was part of her being... claim about why she was fired was that yeah. she that she said that thing is because she's harping too much on the fact that this is a terrible representation of people of color of New York of reality. It's, it's just <laughs> not real. Yeah, um, I can't even imagine. I mean, like in 2020, being a woman of color, um, specifically a black woman, um, being in in 2020, being in a writer's room, I would imagine is like already very difficult based off of the stories that I hear. Um, so her, her doing this in 2004, first of all, even getting that position, because as much as we don't like friends, it was for its time a very coveted show. So getting that position already is proof of how impressive she is. But the personal strength and willpower it must have taken to turn around and say, like, I'm going to take on this very powerful show um, and take on NBC and Warner Brothers is just amazing. I hope she's doing so well. Um, I if she's in the Air Force now, I hope that she comes back and like cashes in on this trauma that NBC and Warner Brothers caused her. In fact, I think she should just call them and be like, I think you guys owe me a TV show. Yeah. Yeah. Miss Lyle, Uh, uh if you are listening, I want you to know we are here for you. 
Yeah, we're the rain Johnny. starts to fall. Yeah. <laughs> we are here for you <laughs> like we have been there this whole episode. Yeah. So please, if you are happy to be listening to this, reach out. Please start a show. We will all we would love to write for you. Uh, so the friends, where at the very least, start a GoFundMe. Start a GoFundMe for emotional trauma. Look, I yeah. I don't have that much money right now, but I'll donate it all for you, Amani. You, <laughs> you deserve the world and more. Oh my God. Matt so, LeBlanc, uh, Matthew Perry, Lisa Kudrow, Jennifer Aniston, David Schwimmer. If you are listening right now, donate her to a this GoFundMe. <laughs> yeah. Just each, throw her, each owe her a million dollars. Just throw her a royalty check here and there, please. Yeah, you know, please. I assume for, for most people, you guys were listening to this thinking where they went wrong was probably how they built seven seasons around were they on a break when they exclusively said we're on a break. Um, oh, oh, you want this podcast to go two more hours? Do you no, want to? <laughs> where we went wrong was, in fact, with a massive lawsuit that was well justified because of sexism and racism in the writer's room and the hero, Amani Lyle was where it went the most right. And thank yeah, you uh, yeah. both for being here. Uh, Abby Govindan, we are going to check out your podcast as soon as it comes out and uh, hopefully have us on so you can just tear us apart. apart Please, uh, a port? Uh, I'm you, looking forward to it. It's going to start with a port. God are you, it, are you Canadian now? <laughs> <laughs> I wish. I, I wanna, all right, so th there we go. We, we've already got our first thing to pick apart was that uh, I'm a podcast host that cannot talk. Abby, thank you so much for being here. Uh, Wen, thank you for being here. And I will see you next week. Hey, thank you guys you so much week. for having me. This was so much fun. I can't wait. Um, everyone, yeah. Everyone, um, if you are listening, make sure to rate, subscribe. Subscribe and rate five stars on the Apple podcast because that helps these guys get more sponsors if you don't know how podcasts When works. Why aren't we saying that? Oh, my I, God. That's just actually <laughs> like, oh, man. This? God, have we not honest. ended every episode saying that? Abby, Abby has <laughs> Abby has not even done the pilot of her podcast, and she's so much better <laughs> at podcasting yeah. than both of us. It is but shameful. Please, if you enjoyed this, subscribe, give it five stars, review it. It helps us quite a bit. Uh, so thank you, Abby, for uh, educating us on literally everything but counting crows tonight. <laughs> <laughs> because that's my domain, baby. <laughs> yeah, so thank you both for being here. Thank you all for listening. And when I will see you next week. All right. See you next week, Andrew. All right. Bye, bye. guys. Bye.